Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash canadaland to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey guys, Jesse here. This is my last week on tour with the CanadaLand Guide to Canada comedy show. I guess that's what it is. And if you missed our sold out show in Toronto, or if you live in Hamilton, Ontario, which I am told that some people do, you can catch me on Tuesday, May 23rd. On the 24th, I will be performing in London, Ontario. And on the 26th, I'll be in Kingston. There are still tickets to these shows. Go to CanadaLandShow.com slash book tour to get them. And as you know, while I am away on tour, Omar Mualem is filling in for me on the Monday show, and he will be with you in a moment. I hope you enjoy it. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whatever your next big idea might be, count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform to bring it to life. Make your next move. Start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Use the offer code CanadaLand. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. Well, folks, it's happening. Last week, Jason Kenney, Canada's former immigration minister, unlocked another achievement in his convoluted plan to restore order to the Sodom and Gomorrah that has become of Alberta under the NDP. Along with Brian Jean of the Wild Rose Party, they announced plans to form the United Conservative Party, the UCP. It was less than a year ago he announced he was returning to the conservative heartland to first win the floundering PC party leadership race and then create a new party for its members, as well as for the official opposition to unite under, then have those members agree to it in July, then in two more years win an MLA seat and lead that united party back to power. He made it sound so easy. And you know what? He's halfway there. But this whole thing smacks of deja vu. Who could forget the Unite the Right movement that eventually, after some failed attempts, gave us Stephen Harper's conservative party? Only Kenny's entire campaign is built on something almost messianic. This idea that Alberta is inherently conservative, that it is the Canadian right Zion, and he's here to save it. There's another deja vu feeling you might get. A few years ago, a different Harperite came back to Alberta, Jim Prentice. He was sent home to cool unrest in the conservative camps and, along with the opposition leader, planned a floor crossing that was supposed to steady the wheel. 
and what happened next? A beating so bad that the province's PC party, after ruling for 44 uninterrupted years, tumbled to third place. The whole idea of Alberta as a conservative promised land feels out of touch, and I think we in the media bear some responsibility for that. That thing that I just said, PCs ruled for 44 uninterrupted years. I can't remember how many times I've said that or written that. It's a lazy shorthand that dismisses the fluidity of conservatism in Alberta, how it's been tugged left and right with populism, and how tugging it too far to the right has hurt political parties again and again. And I'm guilty of it. In articles for national and international audiences, I have sold Alberta to the world as a society of truck nut loving folks bottle fed on bitumen oil as babies. And I've done this despite being born and raised here and knowing better. And if it's not me, it could be an editor of mine. I once had an American editor insert Texas of the North right in the first line of text. At the same time, isn't it a little bit though? Conservatism in Alberta is complex. How do we match up the orange wave of the provincial electorate map with the sea of blue that is the federal map, or the fact that Jason Kenney and Brian Jean are both polling quite strong as the next leaders, while the two big city mayors, a Harvard-educated Muslim and a 37-year-old who rides his bike to work every day, are largely running uncontested? What is Alberta even? To try to make sense of this place, we've brought together two guests. Sydney Sharp, formerly of the Calgary Herald and Financial Post, her newest book is Notly Nation: How Alberta's Political Upheaval Swept the Country, which she co-wrote with Don Braid, and she joins me in Calgary. And with me in Edmonton is Duncan Kinney, a former reporter who now heads an advocacy group trying to debunk and lobby against social conservatism with its own news site called Progress Alberta, or as it's been called in the legislature, the NDP propaganda arm. A disclosure on my part: Duncan and I have been friends for a few years, and we carpooled to CJSR studios today. We'll hear from him and Sydney Sharp in a minute. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Marissa Hare, Ryan Cockton, Joel Inglis, Paul Duder, Melody Ma, James Travers, Alexandra Russell, and Ryan Dochuk. Ryan, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I'm interested in understanding the media and how it shapes my view of the world, Canland gives me a healthy critique of Canadian news that I just can't find anywhere else. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They are not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day to day helping people—that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care. Forever, your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca/canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.、Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself, and you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get ten percent off of your first month. At BetterHelp.com/CanadaLand. That's BetterH-E-L-P.com/CanadaLand. And today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whatever you need a website for, and you do need a website, whether it's a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your stuff. 
or your services, a blog to share your ideas. Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. Or if you've already got a website and it's a pain in the ass to update and maintain and it doesn't look great, move it over to Squarespace. You'll get access to a huge library of amazing award-winning templates, which you can quickly make your own with a click of a mouse. There is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. There is support around the clock, 24-7. It's like you've got a permanent IT department. You are not calling a web developer who worked for you two years ago at four in the morning because your site is down. You are dealing with professional, around-the-clock, in-house tech support. So make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Use the offer code CANADALAND to get 10% off of your first purchase. Again, that is squarespace.com, offer code CANADALAND. Our other sponsor today is our founding sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is small business accounting software that makes billing painless. It is simple, it is intuitive, and it saves you time. Time is the big gain here. Time that you would have otherwise spent hunting down money that is owed to you. You get paid quicker with FreshBooks. You make your invoices quicker with FreshBooks. You file your expenses quicker with FreshBooks, and you look better. You know when your client has looked at your invoice. You know which clients pay you fast and which ones take a long time because FreshBooks is on it for you. FreshBooks makes it super simple to, again, save time come tax time. Try it out for free for 30 days. You don't need a credit card. Go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. Give it a whirl. When you decide to become a customer, as so many of you do, tell them that CanadaLand sent you and you will be doing this show a favor. Thank you, FreshBooks. The crowd was ready for a fight. The target, Alberta's carbon tax. So when federal conservative leadership candidate Chris Alexander mentioned Premier Rachel Notley, many here at this Edmonton rally let loose. The comments of a Wild Rose candidate in Edmonton are stirring up controversy. Alan Huntsberger's blog states, gay people are destined to life in the fires of hell. The blog was written last year before he became a Wild Rose candidate. The most important thing we can do is remember throughout all of this. It's about unifying conservatives and it cannot be based on a principle of gaining power for power's sake. It must be about more than that. Can we do a Donald Trump here? <laughs> Duncan Kinney and Sydney Sharp, thanks for joining Canada Land. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Sydney, let's start with you. Did this week's news come as any surprise to you? And um, how likely is an official merger in July when both members of, of the parties get to vote? I wasn't surprised. I mean, it all began when, as you well know, Jason Kinney staged his dramatic coup of the PC party, and we know what his goal was. And Brian Jean, that has been his goal all along, too, to uh, unite all the conservatives. In fact, Brian Jean has always been on message. When he talked to me for our book, Notley Nation, he said that that's what he wanted to do, to unite all the conservatives under one banner. And he didn't mind what the name was so much as focusing on uh, maintaining Wild Rose values. So that's what he wants to see. And certainly what appears to be happening right now is that the two are fighting for for the right, and in one sense that's understandable because each of them wants to be leader and sees that that's uh, where their base is at the moment. But in so doing, Jason Kenney has pushed away so uh, many of the progressives in the party, and I, I know we can certainly talk about that when we talk about the uh, PC leadership run, which kind of started all this. It's probably a little early to really speculate about whether the, the UCP will become the ruling party in, in Alberta. But as far as just the next step in July when, when the party members vote on this, I'm, I'm yet to hear an expert opinion that doesn't assume that that's just what's going to happen. So assuming that, will, will the province that elected a PC government for four decades, do you think it can come back and restore the rebranded party to power? Well, now that's fascinating, isn't it? Because in those 43 years, the party itself changed from within, as did the leaders. And so we, w we would see where it began with Peter Lougheed, who was essentially a liberal. And he was brilliant at being able to contain the right-wing social credit elements. He had a very large tent. And that continued 
up until Ralph Klein, and Ralph Klein was much more a populist leader. He'd be a little bit in the left when necessary, more to the right when necessary. He was very much not in the mold of Peter Lougheed. But again, like Peter Lougheed, he was incredibly successful and popular until the point where um, he was pushed out. And in fact, we can say the only premier that had an elegant exit within the PCs was Peter Lougheed. All the premiers that followed were pushed out. It's going to be extremely interesting to see what happens with this new UC that have focused quite dramatically on the right at this point and to see what happens to all the progressives in the party, many of whom have been pushed out. And as I said, we saw that certainly with the PC leadership uh, run, which Jason Kenney won, as I said, fairly dramatically. But the progressives who initially had run against him, Sandra Jansen especially, and Stephen Kahn, they did not feel comfortable there. And we know exactly what happened with uh, Sandra Jensen. They moved to the NDP. But she moved in part because of the way in which she was being treated, both within the PC caucus, but beyond that, when she ran, the way she was treated on social media, which is another important element of this, uh, was abominable. And we all know that she read some of that into government Hansard. I want to come back to that a little bit later. I want to bring Duncan into this conversation. Duncan, you have said that the new right is maybe overestimating Alberta's conservatism, that they're they're miscalculating something. On one hand, there's polling that is putting the NDP in, in third. On the other hand, there's no more of a viable centrist party. So what do you make of this? Alberta has just drastically changed over the past 20 years or so. When you look at just sheer demographics, Alberta is the youngest province in Canada by a wide margin. I think the average age in Alberta is 36. The average age in Canada is 39. We have more people under 40 than any other province in the country. And that's just happened since really since Jason Kenney was elected to parliament in the 90s, right? You look at um, polling over time. We've, there's been Farinellis at the Citizen, Sci- Citizen Society Research Lab in uh, Lethbridge College who've polled on gay marriage. He's polled on medical marijuana. He's polled on a physician-assisted suicide. Since 2009 up to 2016, we've seen rises of 10, 12, 15, 17 points on those issues. You know, there's also just been so much in-migration to Alberta over the past 20 years. And these people are younger. These people are educated. These people are more diverse. And they're living in urban centers. And those are all traits that correlate with people identifying as progressive. Duncan, yeah, I just want to say, too, uh, first of all, I completely agree with that. And that is another element that uh, was highlighted in our book. Absolutely. And if we look who voted for, well, for Rachel Notley... Certainly overwhelming support amongst the millennials, as you well know, also amongst disaffected seniors. But she, in the end, won in every age group. So, um, you know, the point being, absolutely, Alberta is a very different province than it was when Jason Kenney basically left Alberta to sit in Ottawa as as an MP. Certainly, it's more socially progressive. I mean, issues like LGBTQ rights, that shouldn't even be an issue. Social conservatism as an issue is pretty much toxic in Alberta to to Alberta politicians. I think it's pretty clear now that social conservative values and being anti-LGBTQ are issues that hurt you much more than they help you. In Historically, how, how have we seen that over the years? I mean, Lake of Fire is the first one that comes to mind. Lake of Fire was the first thing to come to mind. In 2014, we had the original GSA debate uh, with Prentice, which he lost yeah. massively yeah. on in reverse course, which essentially. was very strange because he had been very good in that issue. But, I mean, the Lake of Fire, absolutely, it lost Wild Rose, the government. Sydney, could you explain what Lake of Fire is to the to the Candleland <laughs> audience that maybe is not familiar with this shorthand? <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the Wild Rose candidates, uh, Mr. Huntsberger, as I recall, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, said that uh, gays would, would burn in hell in the Lake of Fire. Danielle Smith did not censure those remarks. She felt, as a libertarian, that that's fine. He, can, he could say that. Uh, she didn't believe it personally. In fact, 
she's very progressive on social rights, but her libertarianism meant to her that the candidate should be able to say what they believe. And we saw what happened. Um, that basically, in the end, brought them down. And yes. Ultimately, it lost the Wild Rose their best chance. Now, it wasn't the, it wasn't the number one reason, but it, w- it was the beginning. Danielle Smith uh, had also refused to believe in climate change. At the time. Now, she's she's since very much softened her views on that. But at the time, uh, she didn't believe that the uh, science was complete. So that that also helped her to lose. But it all began with the lake of fire. And that lake of fire stays. It it, it simmers within the Wild Rose Party. I'm sure you'll agree (laughs) with me, Duncan. Mm -hmm. Now, as, as we talk about this issue and, you know, Alberta maybe being more progressive than people give it credit for, how does that, how does that scale up, though, with, with southern Alberta, which is overwhelmingly still conservative, is it not? Again, certainly uh, in, in Calgary, the NDP did win a number of positions left in uh, Lethbridge, in Medicine Hat. The speaker is from, uh, is from the Hat. We have to look, too, at very recent history in Calgary. When Nahed Nenshi won the mayoralty race in 2010, that was the beginning of the change. And it was one where it's not critical what party you are, whether you're left of center or right of center. That's not the issue. And so Nahed Nanchi was able to speak to people who, who felt their voices weren't being heard, millennials especially, new immigrants, those who, who don't have a landline. <laughs> so many people who, again, felt that the current politics or the politics of the time didn't speak to them. Well, and I think the election of Nanchi, too, was a watershed moment for people who didn't necessarily want or need or require Tory hegemony for the rest of their lives and their politics. And it was it was really a, an outcry and a reaction to, you know, a, a Tory regime that had grown tired, that had been around a long time. And it was an opportunity in municipal politics to actually put their foot down and say, you know, we do actually want something different here. Yes, that, that was certainly part of it. And as uh, Nahid Nenji always likes to say, I'm not red, I'm not blue, I'm purple. And, you know, that spoke to a, a lot of people who were just they were they were concerned about issues that reflected their their own demographic concerns they were not into what the traditional pcs were telling them or or other parties they had had it with parties so nenshi's victory and then following that edmonton's mayor don, don Iverson's victory those were both i think watershed moments yet the whole premise of the ucp is based on this idea that Alberta is a conservative heartland, this sort of make Alberta great again mythology that, you know, for for many reasons has rung true with people. But Duncan, your group, which is an advocacy group, and you describe it as a scrappy progressive voice that's filling a massive void in the Alberta media ecosystem, you've surveyed Albertans and you've come up with different results. How conservative are we actually? Well, it's a funny thing. Uh, When you actually ask people whether they identify as conservative, more people identify as progressive than they do conservative and even as centrists in Alberta when you ask them. But when you ask Albertans how they view other Albertans, you know, this mythical other Albertan, (laughs) the, the results are overwhelmingly skewed towards conservatives. So Albertans have this perception that their neighbors are conservative, that the person down the street is conservative, that their coworker is conservative when it's not necessarily the case. When conservatives are distributed roughly equal amounts throughout the, Alberta just as much as progressives and centrists are. So I think it's really been uh, – I really think you have to give credit to the conservatives for how effective a sales job or, or maybe a con job it's been uh, convincing Alberta and, and really the rest of Canada that Alberta is this deeply, deeply in its heart conservative place when uh, I don't think that's true at all, especially when but you talk about think... the demographic shifts that, that we brought up earlier. Yeah, and it has not been solid conservative – Progressive conservative is basically liberal, and that's what Peter Lougheed brought in. It's very interesting that when we look at the last election that brought Rachel Notley to power, she invoked Peter Lougheed's name and basically presented herself as more a Peter Lougheed. So there's this this progressive movement in in Alberta provincially. Yet the 2015 federal election came, and Alberta was 
bluer than a Smurf and Cookie Monster orgy again. <laughs> What, what, so what, what, are, what are Canadians to make of this disparity between its leftist municipal and provincial politics and its many, many MPs on the right? Well, I think people vote for different reasons at different levels of politics. So federal politics is different than provincial politics kind of fundamentally. And the big difference that I see is, is really provinces are responsible for things that touch people every day, healthcare and education. And those, those are massive employers. They have a lot of people who just work in those fields. And really, at the end of the day, I, I mean, this is why I think a Jason Kenney-led conservative Franken party is so kind of anathema to Alberta in that this is a person who has publicly stated on record how he's, he's very, very pro-life. This is a man who's going to sign a budget every year that's going to be financing abortions, thousands of abortions every year. Like, I just don't see it. This is a man who's publicly stated and whose allies have publicly stated that public education is like where we breed communists. I just don't see uh, how a, a Jason Kenney-led conservative Franken party is going to be appealing to a vast swath of Albertans. And the most recent thing as well is that Jason Kenney implied that parents had the right to know if their, if their children were gay, that if their children join a gay-straight alliance, that their parents have the right to know. How do you think that will fly with the Alberta electorate? I think that that was appalling, first of all. You don't throw children under the bus. Everybody deserves equal opportunity. And I was, um, you know, uh, upset over that. For millennials, LGBTQ rights are a given. And it should not even be part of a public conversation of a prominent politician. It should simply be a given. I feel that strongly. Well, LGBTQ rights are human rights, I think, fundamentally. Absolutely. And, and, and the Absolutely. fact that Jason Kenney wanted to set up a, a snitch line so that schools could call the parents of students who joined USAs, I think rightly so, pissed off a ton of Albertans. And, and well, that speaks again to uh, what Duncan uh, was saying in terms of how Alberta has dramatically changed since Jason Kenney left and to, to sit in Ottawa. I don't think he is as aware of that change as he should be. But maybe we should be also moving on as, as to whether Jason Kenney is going to become the leader of the uh, UCP. And the, you know, the fact is that in terms of popularity, he's running way below Brian Jean. There was so much dissent that occurred as he ran, especially with, with what happened to Sandra Jensen, and also with uh, Stephen Kahn dropping out. There's so much vitriol directed to progressives within the conservative movement that, again, they, uh, many feel, not all, but certainly many feel that they don't have a home. So what leader would probably appeal to them most and overcome some of the divisiveness that occurred, certainly with the PC leadership, and that is undoubtedly occurring right now and will occur with the uh, leadership of the new UCP. So what leader would be able to bring all of those people together? Well, what, the, the one uh, name that, that comes up is Rona Ambrose. What I think is coming together here is just the, the complexity of conservatism in, in Alberta. Absolutely. And Absolutely. As, as Albertans, I think we've, we've seen the evolution of it. But in the 2015 provincial election, it stunned Canadians. It even made an international splash. It shook up the entire perception of Alberta. But I have to wonder, I mean, that, that one dimensionality that has been perceived about this province by others, I wonder how much of that is bolstered by us journalists ourselves. An ex-journalist friend of mine who, who now works in government described the Globe and Mail's coverage of Alberta in particular as, as covering it as if it were a, a third world country. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we well, all, uh, we all uh, remember the, the 2012 headline after Alison Redford became the first woman premier in Alberta. Okay, it, it I have to say something. Alberta right steps now. into the present. <laughs> okay. I but mean, that, that was d does, does media play a hand in, in creating this conservative myth? Well, well, first of all, Alberta steps into the present, which was absolutely bizarre. It was so silly because... Alberta has, and the Prairie Provinces, have been in the forefront of women's rights, strong women, since 1916, when, it, when women received the right to, to vote. Manitoba, 1916, in January. Saskatchewan, 1916, in March, April, Alberta. And that was two years before federally 
women received the right to vote in 1918 in May. Alberta has led the way in a, a number number of areas for women. Uh, remember the famous five who challenged the, <laughs> the NA Act and, and it said that women are indeed persons. So it was just absolutely silly, and I was I was shocked. I tell you that I didn't see. Uh, uh, a Globe and Mail headline uh, saying that uh, Ontario steps into the present when uh, Premier Wynne won. That said, I, I, I think that the Globe and Mail has certainly worked to uh, redeem itself. Absolutely. Oh, I, would, I would disagree there. I think the yeah. Globe and Mail's coverage of Alberta is shockingly weak. I mean, I think they send out Gary Mason, who's a, a former sports reporter who lives in Vancouver, to, to come to Alberta every once in a while to okay, cover well, I'm, Alberta I'm going to differ with you on Gary Mason because I, I think he really does a, a good job considering he does, that I'm he sure he does a fine job, but he doesn't just, live in Alberta. Here, just a moment. Yeah. Just considering that, that he is covering you know, the Western provinces, what they need, what the Globe and Mail needs, is, is an Alberta columnist. An Alberta political columnist. Well, they don't have a reporter uh, right now. They, they don't. don't they have. haven't had an Alberta columnist as long as I've been an adult. Or yeah, and I'm saying attention. that that's that's what they need, in my view, to be a national uh, newspaper. But in my view, again, they certainly improved since uh, since that. On that, that's absolutely silly well, headline. I, I don't want to just you know pin it all on on Globe and Mail. That was that was sort of the most memorable example. But like I've been I've been guilty of this myself. I'll, I'll offer one from my own repertoire. When Ted Cruz won the first primary election, I was assigned by The Guardian, a story to to basically write about how excited Calgarians were that uh, someone <laughs> born in, in their city could become the 45th uh, U.S. president. And what I found almost immediately is even the most conservative Albertans want nothing to do with this guy. They, they all uh, distanced absolutely. themselves. And and I think the the headline ended up being a quote from someone, which was, "He's not one of us." <laughs> I think federal uh, people who cover federal politics, I think, look at the the, the idiots who we sometimes send to Ottawa to represent us. Someone like Rob. Oh, Anders. but you know, just a minute. I have to say, Duncan, the idiots come from across the country. Okay, Alberta's not alone in that. Thank you. No, for sure. <laughs> but there's just him. such a consistent. I mean, I mean, I mean, Rob Anders did get elected four or five times, right? And then he did consistently embarrass his constituents. And, on and the Peter hill. Goldring has has made for much. Oh yeah, what was fodder. the Peter Goldring quote again? Oh man, <laughs> he wore a camera on his head so that he could. Whenever he was alone pre- with a woman, pre- prevent yeah. him, protect himself against sexual harassment uh, <laughs> accusations. I believe is what he said. It was it was something batshit crazy. But, but look, we can always we can find the crazy in every in every province. Okay, I don't think we need to focus on one or two crazies. There's, right. there's a there, there's a number of them. We've also got excellence coming from every province too. So right. you know the thing is you know has the media played a role in Alberta being seen as as I think you asked the question as a promise land of, of conservatism. Yes. yes, yes, it has. But, you know, Alberta has consistently been the, the, the whipping boy of confederation, which is, which is really ridiculous. But certainly, all of the, I think Alberta's generated certainly every conservative movement in Canada in the last 50 years. It also generated the birth of the modern NDP. And Alberta had a liberal government, first of all, various forms of liberal government, until the election of William Eberhardt in the dark uh, 1930s, of dark depression of the 1930s. So, and then we had 80 years of one or another forms of conservatism in uh, in Alberta. But we haven't been staunch right at all. And any reading of Peter Lougheed would certainly under, underscore that. As I said, in in uh, in my view, he he was much he was a centrist. And would have, I think, uh, tried to uh, rebrand the Liberal Party, except that uh, you know, Liberal was still uh, and continues to be not not the best name in Alberta ever since actually the uh, the inception of of the province in 1905. If we can steer this back to to the the media's handling of of uh, the the sort of conservative monolith in, in Alberta, Duncan, you've. You've obviously uh, you're obviously been critical of, of national media, but through Progress Alberta, you've been very critical of, of Alberta media bolstering this idea as well. Tell me why you think that Alberta is you know is Alberta media has has a huge hand in, in shaping the myth of of conservatism. Oh, I think local and provincial media carry a lot of water for the conservative movement. To put it to, to not put too fine a point on it, I mean when you look at what post media 
columnists say and do on a regular basis. I don't think there's one columnist you could look at in Alberta who covers provincial politics with any sort of friendly eye towards progressive policies. We not have, one, not not a Paula Simons. Or? Well, Paula Simons doesn't cover provincial politics as her beat. I mean, she kind of gets she gets a lot of free range. Paula Simons is a, is a treasure. Don't get me wrong, but um, but she's not covering the legislature in any meaningful way. But we do have people like Rick Bell covering the legislature in a meaningful way with his kind of like shouty one-word paragraphs to saying about how the, the latest NDP, you know, disaster is happening to Alberta. You, you've come down okay, on I'm, the... I'm just going to say one, one thing on, on that. If, if we look at the writings of both Graham Thompson and Don Braden, I, I, I will uh, inform everybody right now. He actually is my husband um, <laughs> who's cleaning our place right now. Anyway, <laughs> both of them I know uh, because we've certainly talked about this have been accused of being Wild Rose, PC, NDP, you name it. And um, I think for um, both of them, they try to be journalists and uh, as free as they can be writing on the day. Well, I I have uh, to agree with you too, Sydney, because I I think there's going to be conservative columnists and, and liberal columnists in, in every province. But Duncan, how do you think it's any different in, in Alberta? Well, I mean, there's just a singular non-diversity of choices. They're pretty much all old white males when it comes to provincial columnists in this province. And even the, when the Globe and Mail sends in, it's another old white male. I mean, someone younger, someone not white, someone female would be very welcome. Well, there's Danielle Paradis at Metro. Metro, sure. Yeah. I mean, once every two weeks, once a week. I can't remember her column. She's great. Don't get me wrong. But like, she's again, she's not covering provincial politics as her beat. She's pretty much a general interest columnist, right? I think when we look at especially what Post Media has done when they've combined the newsrooms, the real sun, the sun, the Calgary Sun and the Edmonton Sun ethos has really taken over those newsrooms. It's become much more gotcha. It's become much more, much more conservative than in years past, just by dint of the fact that it's easier to write that way. And the people who are in charge of those newsrooms, I think, tend to be more conservative than than the people who ran the the Journal or the Herald newsrooms. And then don't even get into the op-ed pages. Like the op-ed pages are just a joke, especially at the Calgary Herald. I don't. I don't I think you can argue how how conservative you know, the Calgary Herald is. Like the Cal- the Calgary Herald is like probably the most deeply conservative newspaper like in the country, like even more than the Post. And I don't think. I mean, I think it's necessarily reflecting its audience. Like newspapers tend to to be read by older people, conservative people, wealthy people. But I don't think we can look away and not call the Calgary Herald a deeply conservative news organization. So if more and more people are getting their news on the web. What do we do? Do we uh, write blogs? No, we invest in beat reporters. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the the grand loss of of what's happened uh, when we look at how much media has fallen as part is that we just don't have people paying attention anymore. This has kind of come to light in some work that I've been doing. Like we... We got some money to, to, to look at private schools, and we did a campaign on private schools. We did a bunch of investigative journalism on private schools in this province, and it turns out there's a bunch of shady private schools all over the province. No one was paying attention to this, and especially because, I mean, the conservatives were in power for 44 years. There's no rush to actually look at these stories and to tell these stories. And I think when you look at other parts of the provincial world, like healthcare is $21 billion a year in Alberta. It's half our treasury goes out the door on healthcare. There's one healthcare reporter in this province. That's insane yeah, so, to me. Uh, so what we're looking at right now, which is a little bit of a change from, from what the original discussion was about, is the future of media in Canada, which is an important topic, uh, absolutely a worthwhile topic, and is a separate topic from the specifics of what we're discussing right now. And I'd, I'd love to see that topic discussed. But right now, what we're supposed to be focusing on, and I'd certainly like to, is, is, but what's um, left when we don't have beat reporters, Sydney, is, is well, we have we get op-ed pages, we get columnists, like and that's what we get instead of beat reporters, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I think Sydney is is trying to bring it back to this conversation of yeah. the, the perception of conservatism in Alberta versus the reality, and and I, the other thing I want to I, I really wanted to to mention too is where are the women? <laughs> okay, yes, I will say this. In the conservative movement in in Alberta, there were always some very strong women. And at the last PC leadership, and I believe, Duncan, you you were there as an observer, um, Mm -hmm. as as was I, I I was struck by the lack of women. And then on the stage, when all of the uh, supporters came up to greet uh, Jason Kenney, there were so few women. There, there was, of course, Kathleen O'Neill who was being pushed out. <laughs> and that's, that's ridiculous. The social media has been used to bring down women especially. 
the insults, disgusting things that are hurled at women politicians is unprecedented. And when I talked with Brian Topp about this, who was Rachel Notley's former chief of staff, he said in terms of what has been directed towards uh, Rachel Notley and, and the women in uh, the NDP caucus, he said it was unprecedented. And this is a man with considerable political history. And so this is what's happening, and this, this to me is another critical issue in politics in Alberta and certainly federally. And we look at it provincially, we look at it municipally. In Calgary, we have only two women who uh, sit on council. In Edmonton, Uh, we have one. There we go. In In Edmonton, there was once a woman mayor. And these realities certainly don't help the perception of an old guard in, in Alberta. Not and, just in and Alberta. Alberta being so so you know retrograde as, as people perceive it but, from the outside. Right. I, but the other thing that's happening, and I have to say this, is Alberta is also right now a lab, a cultural lab for women in power because you have the caucus is nearly 50% female. Alberta was the first provincially and federally to have an equal number of women to men in cabinet. And then, of course, Justin Trudeau followed suit instead of saying, you know, because it's 2015, he should have said because Alberta. So we've got that happening, but this caucus and cabinet of 50% women face an opposition that is primarily men. Uh, The Wild Rose is only two women MLAs. The PCs have none Yeah, there was, there was a joke going around post-United post, post United Conservative Party announcement that there's like there was more goatees in the United Conservative Party than there was, <laughs> than there was women. <laughs> uh, Shout and, out and to Michael is, Morrison on that one. That is extremely disturbing because what happens within the NDP caucus is this a, a culture of cooperation rather than confrontation. The members certainly have their points of view, which they express vigorously behind closed doors. But it's done respectfully. When you get on the legislature floor, and for all of, of us who have watched <laughs> Question Period, I mean, it's, it's a cage fight, which is ridiculous. You have what was more culture of cooperation facing a culture of confrontation and the guys just can't help themselves and when when you look you you kind of see you know the pressure rising when the guys are asking their questions it's you know it's a testosterone filled culture that is uh facing women you know at least 50% women and that is producing, as I said, this very intriguing lab for the culture of power and how it, it works in Alberta. So, so you, you've got uh, very strong women who certainly won't sit back, as, as we've seen, to, to attacks and, you know, have to get up and give, but who would at least initially had tried to change the tone of question period. We have seen, thankfully some of the substance change. We've seen issues like abuse enter into the forefront, which is really important. You know, another thing, too, and I know we'll want to talk about this for a few minutes, are, are a number of the initiatives that the NDP has brought in as they hope to, as they are building a base with lower-income Albertans and with, uh, with more women with things like child tax rebates, carbon tax rebates, consumer protection well, you, for the least. Well, you just said you just said mm-hmm. the 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 c word there, carbon carbon tax, and I mean it has become such a divisive issue in Alberta. Duncan, you've you've said that if the election were to be held tomorrow, it would largely be a referendum on the, on the carbon tax mm-hmm. issue. So, I mean, taking something like this and and it becoming so divisive in this province, what does that tell us about where we are exactly on the political spectrum today? I mean, generally speaking, you go anywhere. I don't think people are super enthused about new taxes. Absolutely. But, but I think when you look at how the, the carbon tax has been structured and the timing of it, I, th- I think by the time we get to 2019, I think we'll probably be talking about something else, to be frank. Um, and I do want to just say one thing about the carbon tax, too, uh, Duncan. If the United Conservative Party won the 2019 election, and if they try to abolish the uh, Alberta carbon tax, the feds would impose the federal carbon tax, which is modeled 
on the Alberta carbon tax. So. <laughs> well, not only that, I, and the carbon tax is going to is the money raised from it is going to incredibly popular programs, which I think it's it's easy to say we're going to axe carbon tax. It's a lot harder to say you don't get an LRT Calgary, you don't get an LRT Edmonton. Well, before we get to the 2019 election, there is one election this year that may be an indicator of where things are going to go. We talked earlier about Edmonton and Calgary's mayors, Nahid Nenshi and Don Iveson, as foreshadowing of Alberta liberalism, progressiveness. It's an election year for both cities, and both of these mayors are running for re-election, largely uncontested at this point. What do you make of the fact that these these you know bike lane loving hippies uh, very well might still still hold power this year? I'm sure it grinds the Manning Center's gears, but no, yeah, Edmonton largely seems to be a snoozer. Don Iveson, no one no one credible has stepped up to face. Don Iveson. Uh, in Calgary, we have a little more. There's a there's an incumbent city councilor who's running against him named Andrea Chabot, who's I think is going to lose if he runs. But he's he seems to be set on running against Nahanenshi. And there is this talk and this rumor of of Michelle Rempel right. uh, running for mayor. And I have heard that she has been been wined and dined by like the Manning Center and various kind of conservative minded civic folks. But she hasn't hasn't made a decision yet. I think you have to make a decision on this soon because I don't think you can jump into a race late against someone like Nahed Nenshi uh, and expect to win. Yeah, and of course, uh, Nahed Nenshi, uh, he has all of his people out there already uh, knocking on doors. Uh, Michelle Rempel is extremely popular in her federal riding. Whether that can translate into the entire city is questionable. Nenshi is still, uh, he, he's still popular. He's, he's certainly not as popular as he was, but he's still, um, he's still very popular. And there are other people who are talking about running as well. Uh, you know, the more diluted the base is, the better it is for uh, Nethead Ninja. And as long as I've been an adult, too, I, Calgary has just never turfed an incumbent mayor. So there's also that history. And lastly, if we can if we can uh, transport ourselves to two more years in the future, do you have predictions for 2019? Okay, so for me, Notley has to prove that her green diversification is creating long-lasting, in her words, mortgage-paying jobs. She's able to do that. She will have a chance. I think we have to remember it is about the economy, and Rachel Notley came in to the worst economy since William Aberhart. And um, when you think of how the PCs operated during all of these many, many years of, of oil and natural gas largesse, we can't forget that Ralph Klein was doing exceptionally well on natural gas. Natural gas uh, was over $10 MMB BTU. It's now down between one and two, sometimes sometimes more. But it was natural gas that was filling the uh, Alberta legislature coffers. So when oil went down to very, very low, they had, uh, they had all the, the monies coming in from natural gas. So a little bit of history there. But in terms of what Rachel Notley has to have, she has to have some luck, of course, and the economy has to, has to be bubbling along. What does the UCP need? A bad economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too, is that all the data seems to suggest that the next two years of the economy in Alberta is going to be better than the last two years, which, as yes, Sydney said, absolutely. Is, was, was atrocious. Absolutely. So yeah. if we've got two years of an economy that's growing stronger, where people are getting work and finding these mortgage-paying jobs, if yeah. we've got a right wing that is going to go through a vicious civil war and leadership race, I mean, yes, they we, are. we just had um, one just happened that was extremely vicious. I think all the evidence seems to show that Jason Kenney is a campaigner who leaves no stone unturned when it comes to... Uh... Well, he, he is a very good campaigner and, and, you know, an absolutely charming man, as, as most politicians are, men and, and women. It's the charm that gets you, you know. And, and on that, we're going we're gonna to leave it on Jason Kenney is a charming man. Ah! Duncan Kinney and so is Rachel Notley, she's an extremely charming woman. So. <laughs> Duncan Kinney, Sydney Sharp, thanks for joining Candleland. Cheers. Thank you. That's your Canada Land show for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm Omar Mualam. You can email me at omar at canadalandshow.com. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. 
We are on Twitter at Canada Land, and you can follow me at Omar underscore AOK. The Imposter drops a brand new episode this Wednesday, and Jesse will be back Thursday for shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land was produced by Russell Gregg. Special thanks to Samantha Power and the great folks at CJSR FM 88 Radio in Edmonton. They generously let us use our studios, and we're grateful for it. You can catch Canada Land on CJSR every Thursday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you like what we do, please support us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.